Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Hello, friend. This is episode 49. I cannot believe it. I think as creatives, as artists, we hold our products and services near and dear to our heart. We like clutch them to our chest. And we're so afraid to let anybody else touch them because then it feels like we're cheating as creatives. We don't feel like it's an authentic product. The problem with that mindset though is it makes our businesses stagnant. There is no room for growth if you and I have to touch every single piece of our business. There's no room for growth. We can't scale. It's hard to be a million dollar business owner, a business owner that has a business worth a million dollars if we are literally touching every single piece. That's what this episode is about. It's about hiring help. And it's with my new friend, Emily Perrin. That's exactly what she is. She's a hiring consultant. She'll tell you a little bit about her story, but her business came from being overwhelmed and burnt out as an entrepreneur. And she realized there has to be a better way. There just has to be a better way. Recently, I was reading a book by Jeff Goins. It's called Real Artists Don't Starve. Side note, it's a great book. Every creative should read it. So I highly recommend it. It came out in 2017, so it's not brand new, but it's not old either. So once again, it's called Real Artists Don't Starve. But in this book, he was talking about Michelangelo, which we know is most famous for his paintings of the ceilings of the Sistine Chapel. But he was also talking about another aspect of Michelangelo's life. And I'm just going to read a portion of it. It said that in the summer of 1525, when the artist was 50, he began a job as the chief architect of the Basila di San Lorenzo. There he managed a messy work site, a large labor force, and a complex business operation. For the last 40 years of his life, Michelangelo oversaw hundreds of employees who helped him. He kept track of every detail, every scrap of paper, and recorded it all, even the purchasing of raw materials. These skills of leading, managing, and collaborating with peers can be just as important in a creative career as the inspiration side of things, and no less creative. When I read that, it made me think about this episode with Emily. And I started thinking, someone as famous as Michelangelo, if he recognizes that his creative work can continue while he manages other people, then surely somebody like me and you can consider hiring somebody to help us with our business. So whether you know that you are that you are ready right now, this very moment to hire somebody, or you can feel it coming, you can see it on the horizon, you know that just one appointment change or one new client or one disgruntled customer and all of the plates are gonna come 
crashing to the floor, all the plates that you had been juggling, this episode is for you. It will help you start thinking about what position would I hire for? What am I going to put in this job posting? It's a great starting spot for the hiring process. Without further ado, here is my new friend, Emily Perrin. Emily Perrin, I am so happy that you're here. Our mutual friend, Deanna Mason, introduced us through email. And when Deanna Mason says that I should know somebody, I listen up. And she said, you need to know my friend, Emily. Deanna's actually been on my podcast, two different episodes, 24 and 41. And right before we hit record, Emily and I were talking about just the presence that Deanna brings, this calmness that all of us businesswomen need. So if you're looking for that, definitely episode 24 and 41. But today I have my new friend, Emily here, and I'm really excited about this topic that she's talking about. I'm not going to give it away yet. I'm going to let her talk about her zone of genius, but this is a topic that needs to be on this podcast because we're all looking to grow and growing can be scary. But Emily takes away some of that fear because of what she knows, and I cannot wait for her to share. So Emily, introduce yourself to these great listeners. Hi. Yeah, I'm so excited to be with you today, Rachel. Thank you. And thanks to Deanna for <laughs> connecting us. Yes. Uh, yeah. So at, at its core, what I've been doing the last few years in my business is helping bloggers and online entrepreneurs build their teams. And so I do this through recruiting. Like I actually recruit for my clients and I also just teach on these topics around what are you looking for? Because a lot of people think like they need a full-time employee to grow, like, because that's what we're familiar with, right? When we're in our jobs, we're employees. And so we think that's how it works, but there's actually the freelance space is a really great way to get a little bit of help in a much more affordable way. And I got into this work because I started my business as a career coach about five, five, six years ago. And I started hiring early on because I had hire, I had hiring experience in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And, and I also had a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology. And so I was like, yeah, I can hire, I need support in my business. I don't want to do it all. Like I really am not good at these things. So I'm going to get help. And then I found it was just really hard. It was really hard to find good people. I'm like, I know there's good freelancers out there. I know that there's, you know, high performers, but I'm like, how do I find them? I'm like, I have the experience in education and I am really struggling in this. So that's when I really set out to figure it out. And then along the way, I started having my business friends asking me for help with their hiring processes. They're like, Emily, what are you doing? Like, what role do I need? Like, how do I do this? How do I find the good ones? Like, how do I find the best freelancers? Like, I get it. Like freelancers are awesome, but, but how do I actually do that? And so that's then what led into like this being really my specialty. And like you said, like, this is my zone of genius. Now I could talk about this all day long. Like if you wanted to sit here for three hours and like chat about organizational strategy and recruiting and how to find people and what to put in a job posting and, and all the things like I could do it all day. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm glad that you're here. And this is information that we've not talked about at all on this podcast. And yet all of my listeners are looking to grow their businesses. And so I think that, well, I don't think I know this, and I know you can probably testify to this too, Emily having a business feels almost like having a child and mm -hmm. it's very hard early on. And I, I do want to pause for a second and say, I do think that you 
are definitely an outlier in the sense that you started hiring early. And I'm going to come to that in just a second, because most of us, this business feels like a child. And so in order to start hiring you, it's almost like, is my child ready to go to preschool or daycare right now? Can I really let somebody else start taking care of this business? And so it amazes me. And I do think it's because of your background that you early on were like, of course, I'm going to hire. What do you mean? I'm not going to, that I'm not, I'm not hiring. So I want you to speak to those of us that are still clutching this child to ourselves. How do we go? How do we know when it is time to start hiring? Yeah, it's interesting that you talked about that because two of the signs that I have noticed, well, there's a few different ways. You, there's a couple of different ways you can approach this. But one is that like you're on the edge of burnout. That mm -hmm. is a good indicator. And so I think it's funny. We're talking about Deanna too, Deanna Mason on this. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what her, her zone exactly. of genius around mm -hmm. like helping people in that space. But so burnout is a big one in terms of like, you're doing it all, but you're not good at it all. And so when you're spending too much time on the stuff you're not good at, or the stuff like you can do it, but it's draining. Like there are people that, that have zone of genius that have like brilliance and talent and passion in areas that you don't love in your business. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons, like there's just so much to running a business, you know, there's that core reason you got into it and then there's everything it takes. <laughs> so, so burnout is a big one. And that, and that's really the cause of a lot of that burnout is doing all those like mm -hmm. the not energizing things. I'd say the second one too, is missing out on opportunities. So if you're kind of hitting this wall of like, maybe you wanted to like, maybe you just even want to be a podcast guest or you want to take on, you know, I work with a lot of bloggers and especially food bloggers. And what they want is they want to work with brands. So they want to work with food brands. Like think of any of them, Bob's Red Mill, um, craft. Like they want to get paid by the companies to create blog posts and social media because those can be pretty, like they can Lucrative. be substantial contracts. Yeah. And so, but if they don't have the capacity to even pursue those or deliver them, like it's, you know what I mean? They're just like bumping into that ceiling of like not having enough capacity. Yeah. So those are a couple areas that I often point to. That and then it gets to, to the control piece. Sorry, excuse me. No, that, you're right. It's time to hire when we're on the edge of burnout, or maybe you're already burned out. You've hit a ceiling. You cannot go any further because of you're holding so many or keeping so many uh, hats on. And then, like you said, the third thing is, is part of it is that control that we're, we're just clutching it, um, mm -hmm. you know, to our chest. So let me, let's say, and I know there's people who've just heard that and they think to themselves, oh my goodness, Emily has just described me <laughs> and I haven't hired yet. Can you talk to us for a second about hiring a freelancer or I'm going to say a contractor as well, because yes. that's something I do as a copywriter. I'm a contracted copywriter. Yep. So a freelancer versus a part-time employee or a full-time employee, because I think there's a lot of confusion that we say, okay, I'm ready to hire. And all of a sudden the idea of hiring somebody is so daunting to us because we don't realize the options that we have in front of us. So can you talk about, we're ready to hire, who do we hire? Freelancer versus a part-time part employee or full-time employee? 
Yeah. 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 So ultimately it just, it, one of the big differences between the two is whether you're looking for expertise or someone to do something. So a contractor or a freelancer, if you're hiring in that way, you're looking for expertise. You're looking to bring someone in who can help you in an area that you need help with. Um, where it becomes more of an employee is where you're more controlling on the work product. So Either it's like they have to be available certain hours, they need, you know, maybe like you have a lot of control over how the final results look. So if you hired someone to do social media management, if you're giving tons and tons of feedback and like being really, really specific about what you want, that's probably an indicator that you need to look, be looking more for an employee than a contractor because a contractor or a freelancer, they're going to be looking for you to give them control. Like you're looking to hand this off to an expert and the IRS goes into, they have a, some really good resources around this that business owners can look through and read to make sure. Cause I always refer actually back to them because mm -hmm. that that's who ultimately decide that that's where the consequences come into play. So like I can talk about it at a high level and like put it in practical terms, but there's some really good resources on the IRS's website in the United States uh, for like delineating those two in more detail. And like they have checklists to make sure like you can check yourself on it so that you get them classified the right way. Okay, that's a great suggestion because I, I, I did not know that at all. Let's say that we want to hire and mm -hmm. we want to hire, we'll say a freelancer or a contractor. Where are some great places? This is another thing that mm -hmm. I don't feel like a lot of entrepreneurs know. Where in the heck do I find these people besides just putting it, you know, in a Facebook post or a Facebook group and like, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to write some social media. Where are some, where can we go find high quality freelancers and contractors and, and maybe even employees too. I don't know if this is where you, where you find them or not. Yeah, I would, I, I'd stay more focused on the freelancer side okay. because I think that's where it's easier to find people that are going to work, you know, two to three hours a week, four to five hours a week, 10 hours a month. Like if you're looking for just that little bit of help, like that baby step into a team. Great. That yeah, great is, point. yeah, that's where it's really helpful. Okay. So, but where, where do we find them? Okay. Well, I'm going to be real honest. There is no magical place. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Speak the I truth. Because everyone asks me this question, like every, everyone, every conference, every, every time I talk to anyone about this stuff, they're just like, just tell me where to go, Emily. And I'm like, I wish I could, like, I wish I had this magical paradise, but um, but what I found is it really comes down to the how, because you can find them anywhere. They are in Facebook groups, okay. but you need to be posting, you know, you need to have the right things in your job posting so that you will attract them to apply because you can be the most amazing business. You can be the most amazing person in the world, but if you're not doing the things in your job posting and in your hiring process that the freelancers are expecting, they're not, they're not going to take the time and the effort and the energy it takes to put an application together. And part of that is they know what they're up against. They know you're looking for one person. And if you get 10, 20, 25 people interested, you know, the odds are not in their favor that you're going to choose them. So I want to come back to just, I want to come back to something uh, about job postings. So hold mm -hmm. that thought. Okay. Okay. Let's put a pin in it. But, <laughs> but 
uh, Upwork is an example of where mm. I sometimes as a freelancer go and look for jobs. And so Emily, that's something that you would suggest as well. Oh, I love, I actually love Upwork. Okay. Honestly, if there is like one magical place, I will say it's there. I do have found like, they can be a little more expensive, mm-hmm. but I found the quality on that platform is so much better. And I, I'm actually really curious from your side as a contractor on that platform, mm-hmm. what it's like, because like my experience has been, that's where the best quality is, but you also pay for it. They're not yeah. cheap. No, I, I, as a, as a freelancer, I do like Upwork. And I will tell you this, this is, this is a great lead in to the question about job posting as a freelancer on Upwork, there's only certain job postings. I'm even going to entertain because of the job posting. And for those of you that don't know what Upwork is, um, it is a app. Um, I guess, is it a website too, but I, I only it's use it on my phone. Okay. So I, I it use it as an yeah, I use it as a as an app and it's where freelancers can go look at job postings and it's where companies can post jobs. And then of course, it's a little bit of fee both way. If I was to get hired through through the Upwork app, Upwork keeps a part of it and then vice versa. Um, I assume it costs some money, right? On the other side, Emily, to post your job there for Upwork. But like Emily said, we were talking about the job postings and how you post your job is so important. I've actually learned this from Emily. She has a great video on Instagram. I think it's saved on IGTV now, right? And um, do you remember what day that you did the video just because I wanted them to be able to yeah, I don't remember the day, but I can get you the link for the show notes. And we'll There's put it in the show notes. IGTV to it. That's so perfect. That, that is perfect. Great idea. And she talks about in that video, the three common mistakes that we do when we make job postings. And so I wanted to talk to you. I wanted you to talk to them a second about what does a great job posting look like or sound like is a better phrase. Yeah, I think one of the things that that is really attractive that I've seen work really well is being really clear. So there's a combination of being clear about what you want, who you're looking for, what you want them to do, being specific, but not being like, and not expecting one person to do everything. Like if you're looking for your copywriter to also schedule your social media posts and set up your blog, I mean, that's, you know, there's boundary line. And so that's where like high-performing freelancers, like you've talked mm-hmm. about, Rachel, they're aware of this. Like they, they can tell if you've got this. So the clarity really comes through. They, they can tell. And that's the thing with like people that use my formula too, like, or even when I'm recruiting for my private clients, I often get feedback from the freelancers that are like, wow, this is one of the best job postings I have seen in months. Like I had to apply or yes. they'll also say things like, I felt like you were looking for me. I'm like, that's what the freelancer should be fine. Like those are the freelancers. Like that's your top talent. If there's like, that's when you know it's clear. That's when you know you're getting like the best applicants is when they're responding so viscerally like that almost. Like they're that excited to apply for your job. I, I love you. I love what you said in that video that we're going to link to in show notes because we were talking about freelancers. And I think sometimes people get scared of hiring freelancers because they are so specialized but you made it so clear. You have a statement that says entrepreneurs are generalist, freelancers are specialist. And so as a small business owner, once you can get really clear about the hole in your business or what it is that you hate to do, 
with a great job posting, you really can get a specialist if that's really what you're looking for. And if not, the point that you made earlier was maybe you are looking for a part-time employee. Otherwise, if, if you really are going to be all over the place and asking a ton of different things from them, then, then your job posting may not bring the best freelancers to the table. Can you also, I don't know if you remember it, but it's my favorite thing ever. Can you tell the listeners what your first job posting included? Oh, yeah. oh it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> okay. So my first job posting, I put it in Facebook groups. I had, I think five people apply and I said, I was looking for a virtual assistant to do some writing and editing and must be sparkly and reliable. Oh. <laughs> Those are the qualifications. <laughs> and honestly, you know why you know why we can laugh about that, Emily, is because we've seen lots of job postings like that. And I still, I, I agree with you there. We do want anybody that we hire to be sparkly and re- reliable. Of course yeah. we do, but we've yeah. got other things too, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and this is like, I did this. I mean, this was probably four or five years ago oh, now, yeah. but- but even me, like 10 years of corporate experience, master's industrial and organizational psychology, still making, I mean, I made all the same mistakes. I think sometimes people think I didn't make them or like, I'm at this place of hiring and, and my team is so amazing, but, but I have made so many mistakes along the way. And like, that's why I think I'm so passionate about this too, is that like, I've just made them all. It's so I'm like, if I can stop you from making some of these, then I want to do that. Like that is so fulfilling to me. And it, it just feels so good and on purpose. Yeah, I, I can tell that that excites you. It about like when I talk about writing and I can tell other people, none of the, not everybody else shares my passion about the about writing, but I can't help it. It just overflows from me. And so I love that about you too, that it overflows from you as well. We, um, I want you to talk about, I want to back up really quickly though. Mm-hmm. We were talking about job postings. I don't want to leave the job postings until I tell you that Emily on her site has a great template that asks you a series of questions that helps you lay out a beautiful job posting. If you are looking to hire a freelancer, I would definitely go and download that template. I don't remember what it's called, but once again, it'll be on the show notes and the title makes a lot of sense, something like job posting template or something. And it'll be in the show notes and it really does walk you through a series of questions. And I even think, Emily, that it helps you as the person looking to hire. It actually helps you clarify for yourself what it is that you want that person to do. And I know from the writing standpoint, you know, from the hiring standpoint, if you can get really clear as the owner of what you want this person to do, it is going to show up in your job posting. So I highly recommend looking at that template. If you are looking to hire, it will help you get clarity around, around the job posting. So I want to ask you, we're, we, we're about to hire somebody. We found a fantastic freelancer or contractor, what are some parameters that we need to put in place to make sure that this, that this project goes forward in a way that we're happy as the person who hires and that our new contractor is happy as well and understands what it is that we expect from them? What are some suggestions that you have? 
Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. I think one is in terms of expectations to yourself as the business owner. I think sometimes we think, again, we think the freelancer is going to be the magical solution and everything in our business is going to be so much easier if we just have this writer or this social media manager. And while they can bring relief over time, I usually remind business owners to plan for one to three months for onboarding. And it's not that they need a ton of training. They just need time to adjust. Like you need time. Like you, remember that, like, if you haven't done a lot of managing, you need time to learn how to do that, how to step into that role. It's going to be different than doing everything. And you also, like, I think about with writing, it takes time for the copywriter also to learn the voice of the client. And, and the same is true too with social media manager, virtual assistant. It just takes time for them to get that. And I think the best thing you can do as the business owner is to set up a feedback loop. And this has been something like I've gotten really clear on in the last year. And it's actually because I made a mistake myself. I have a social media assistant and I wasn't giving her feedback. I was just going in and fixing things, right? So like I would see, because they were minor, right? It was no big deal. Like, but over time it wasn't improving. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why is she not fantastic as I hoped? And it was really, I looked at my, what I was doing and I was like, oh, I've been, I haven't been communicating to her. So instead I think about in terms of a loop and this is a big shift. And it's also where it takes a little more time Mm -hmm. in your process. So like, yes, Rachel, you can do, you can do that thing. You're outsourcing. Of course you can. Any business owner can, right. That Mm -hmm. like, it goes back to the generalist, Generalist, right? Exactly. You do a lot of things. So, but, and so instead of just going and fixing what you see, you give feedback to the contractor, you allow them space a couple days usually is what I provide. Um, so the, you provide two or three days for them to adjust or fix whatever it is. Then you recheck it, not because you're micromanaging, but just because the relationship is new and you're building trust. Mm-hmm. And, and then like, if there's additional round of feedback, there might be, but But that is where like the empowerment comes. That's like, it's the fastest path to building trust too, because you get to see how the freelancer is implementing your feedback. And really like, that's also like at the core of it, right? At the core of so much of this is miscommunication. Mm -hmm. And if you, as a manager, if you're not used to giving feedback, I think there's a lot of things at play. A lot of us are like afraid, especially women, like we're afraid to give negative feedback, but I have found that high-performing freelancers, they want like. That's you the, want okay. it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, because it's the only, but I mean, they want to hear good things too. It's the only way they can give you more of what you want and less of what you don't is if you tell them, like it's not a guessing game. And so that's, I think that's one of the things I was just talking to a freelancer the other day we were talking about that and she gave me some feedback, like, Emily, it's so great that you are willing to give that space to, and like that you're open to feedback too. Like I always ask my new freelancers on my team, like, I want to hear from you. Like if there are pain points in this process for you, like, you know, we've just, I've built this process based on me. So, you know, if there's adjustments we can make, if you need an extra day on on newsletters or whatever, if you need two weeks to set up social media, I'll do like whatever you need. Like, I just need, you know, it's a two-way street. It's a relationship. It's not just me as like a dictator (laughs) telling everyone (laughs) what they're going to do. Like, that's not who I hire. Like I have freelancers for a reason. I want their expertise. I want to like be mostly hands-off and just stepping in as needed and guiding. I love the feedback loop. That's brilliant. And I have found that a lot of times 
when we go in and we fix things without telling the other person, it starts to also build resentment when there was no reason to build resentment or, or to eventually get angry because I'm sure after three or four months of you going in to fix little minor things, you do start thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Why can't she just fix it? When you realized, oh, I never told her. <laughs> I, well, and I, think about the other side too. I was just thinking when you said building resentment, I'm like, what if like the freelancer is noticing that I'm doing these yes. things without telling her? Like, oh, yeah, that has to be frustrating too. So it's both it, sides. It does. It does. And so the, the feedback loop was such a smart implementation on your part and something that I think all of us listening, if we look to hire, and then even for me as a freelancer, the thing is, is I have a lot of listeners that are freelancers too, photographers, graphic designers. This is, this is not new territory for them. And I appreciate too, you talking about onboarding. That's something in my business now that I have implemented. And I have gotten very clear with my clients that are coming on. Look, for a copywriter to truly do copywriting work, I have to know your voice. I have to know your clients. I mean, I actually have to be on the phone with some of your clients. I have to hear what it is that they're talking about. And I have to see past emails and past social media and, and data. That takes time. And I also like to tell my clients, just because you've all of a sudden hired a copywriter, let me tell you something, your audience doesn't know that right away. If you have written poor emails for the last two years, they're not all of a sudden going to open that email because they think they don't know what copywriter wrote that one. So the onboarding process is so important from those that hired and those of us, they're freelancers. We have to start talking very clear about to the people who are hiring us to what, what we need that first month or two as well. And that will help on the freelancer side versus those that are, are hiring too. The onboarding is so important. And I have definitely seen that in my business. And you've discovered that as someone who's hiring as well. Emily, this, this mindset of hiring somebody is very new and scary to me. And I like what you said about setting your expectations. And you were talking about the fact that most of us have not been leaders of a team before. Or if we have, it was in a corporate setting or for me, it was an education setting. And so I wasn't the owner, you know, and same thing with you in the corporate world, you weren't the owner. So the fact that you talked about giving ourselves time to learn to communicate, that was really smart too. And to recognize with that, yeah, with that first freelancer, we're going to have to give ourselves time as well. Yeah, okay. Proactive with the feedback. I was going to say being proactive for from getting feedback from your freelancers on how you're doing. It, it can be kind of scary to do that, mm-hmm. but but it's so helpful. I think that's been some of my best learning has been coming from getting feedback from them too about how I'm doing and what they would like. I mean, it's just questions like, what would you like to see different? So it's another thing actually that comes to mind. So just like wrapping up the onboarding conversation, just taking it one step further is I also recommend having some connection points in those first few months. So like a kickoff meeting the first week, and then, you know, at least a few meetings in those first couple months where you're touching base in some way it kind of depends on the role too but Mm -hmm. but having those touch points even like a 30 60 90 day like a monthly meeting or something you know you'll know what's right based on the role like how involved they are in your business but that's true it's helpful what did you do for yourself like how did you bolster yourself to hear 
those first rounds of feedback? What did you tell yourself when you said, okay, I'm about to ask what they would like to see different and I'm about to get an answer. Did you have a little mental talk with yourself? Uh, go for a long walk. What did you do? Speak to those of us that criticism yeah. sometimes feels personal, at least for the first day or two for me. And then I'm like, oh, okay, got it. I can fix it. Move on. What'd you do? Yeah. What did I do? I think part of it was a practice. So I think it got mm -hmm. scary at first and the more I did it now, it's no big deal. So I don't do anything now. Now it's just like water, right? It's air, it's breathing. <laughs> um, but in those early days, I think I just get, I like, I just was gentle with myself probably for like a day or two after. And I would like let things just percolate, like just let myself process this information. Like you don't have to jump to any conclusions. I think it also helps too, when you're really, you're not just asking for feedback, but you're asking for solutions. So then mm. it's like, okay, that is helpful. Like, what do you, what, what should be different? I mean, it's also in the questions you ask. And so when you're asking about like, what would make this easier for you? And you really care, like you really want to make it better for that other person. It, it takes a lot of the personal miss out of it. Like it's just, it doesn't feel, it's not a personal attack, especially when you're in this place of also giving that kind of feedback, it becomes easier to receive it. But I think practice is a huge part of this. I think if you haven't done it, yes, of course, it is going to be uncomfortable and maybe scary and you might not want to do it and you might put it off, but, but I will be honest, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And, and it just kind of depends like where you want your business to go. Right. And I knew, like, I knew, like I knew my potential a few years ago even and so I was just willing to take those risks that's that's a great point if you are really wanting your business to grow and you're wanting to continue to attract high level freelancers or contractors that's how you get them to you and to get them to stay yeah is by asking them what can we what can we do differently so I yeah, you know what else comes to mind? Reading a lot of Brene Brown because <laughs> she's all about vulnerability and shame. And so, you know, doing that kind of work, it's not going to necessarily be necessarily in the managing, leading, hiring space. Yeah. But her work, I think, also really influenced me to get more comfortable with that because that's really at the core of it, right? It feels vulnerable mm -hmm. to ask. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And the freelancers are good at receiving because, because they're just practiced at it. <laughs> Right. And it's a part of their job. If they want to continue freelancing for that, for, for that company, mm -hmm. we, you do have to be open to it. Okay. I've loved this conversation, Emily. It has been so much fun. And it's something that is new to me as far as from the hiring standpoint, the one looking to hire somebody. And so I wanted, I wanted to learn from you and we've mentioned her template that's on her website We've also mentioned her IGTV video, which will be in the show notes. If mm -hmm. you are looking to post a video, I'm telling you, you want to see both the video and grab that template because it is going to help you formulate a fantastic job posting. Emily, can you tell them where they can find out more about you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at emily.perron, P-E-R-R-O-N. And then my website is emilyperron.com. And for that fabulous job posting template that Rachel loves so much, it's emilyperron.com slash job posting template. So you're right. It's like super obvious link. Uh, but yeah, we can get that into the show notes as well. So it's easy to click through. And then, yeah, I'm just here for support. I honestly do take questions in my DMs on Instagram. I get people that ask me questions 
options and it just helps. I love, I love serving in this space and helping where I can. And, and of course, like I have ways that I can support people too. And so sometimes that comes up and yeah. And it works out great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm sitting here watching you and I think to myself, she, Emily is sparkly and reliable as well. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> That is true. I am sparkly and reliable, but yeah, I mean, I think like, especially for people that are just starting out with the hiring process, I do have a course that walks you through my process. So I break it down step-by-step step, like tiny videos so that each step of the process, you don't have to like watch a big course before you start, you just like start hiring and you watch it as you go. And so, um, there's a really detailed breakdown on the job posting. And then especially during that selection process, there's a whole module that makes it so much easier easier to post and review and, and all the things, right? Cause it's about how, like we talked about, yes, Upwork is great, but you still have to do it right in order to be successful on that platform. And that's what the course does. So that one's called the hiring fix. I, I did see that on your site and I'm glad you mentioned it just now. Emily, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate yeah, you, you sharing your zone of genius with me and with the listeners. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. I've just totally enjoyed. Like I said, I could talk all day with you about this. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Rachel, again. That episode was so timely for me and perhaps you. The strange thing about 2020 was it was so hard on us small business owners, but many of us had quote unquote good years in 2020 not the revenue may or may not have been really good, but we got very clear about what we wanted our businesses to do. And we also learned to pivot and do things that maybe we had always wanted to do in our business, but we didn't. So for me, I think that's why this episode was so timely because I really can look up and think about hiring and perhaps you're there as well. You know that I end each episode with two or three big takeaways because most of the time we remember the start of a conversation and the end of a conversation. So that's why I do the summary at the conclusion of each episode. But before I get into the conclusion, if this year for you, you are going to get very clear about who it is that you serve in your business and who happily gives their money to you because they love your product and service so much, I would encourage you to buy the course, Creating an Ideal Customer Story. It's a course that I created myself out of my own frustration of knowing that I was just writing to everybody and just hoping that anybody would listen. If you feel like that, if you're just throwing out emails and social media posts, you're showing up to all kinds of different event, events, but you haven't really figured out who it is that you want to serve and that they can't wait to be served by you, then you need this course. It's called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. You can get it on my site, inspiretoengage.com slash online courses. Once again, inspiretoengage.com slash online courses. It was designed for the busy entrepreneur. It's a whopping two hours long. Yep, two hours. And it was also designed for the entrepreneur who really works on a tight budget. It's $19.99. It's meant to be a starting point 
for one of the most important pieces of your business, who it is that you serve. So head to my site, grab that course if you haven't taken that particular step in your business. And I'm telling you, it's like the bottom of the, of the staircase. If you skip that step, then a lot of other pieces of your business do not line up well. And you're going to find yourself very frustrated and just spinning your wheels. Okay, let's get to these takeaways. There is a lot, but I'm going to nail it down. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to get down to just three. One of the first things, I was glad that I was able to ask Emily the difference between hiring a freelancer and a part-time employee. I know for me that the, the word employee sounds very confusing and uh, something that I don't know if I'm ready for, but I like that she gave us some criteria that's going to help us figure out if we need a freelancer or a part-time employee. Freelancer is going to be very specialized and you are eventually going to expect that they kind of work on their own. Obviously, at the begin in the beginning, they may need more assistance from you as they're onboarding. But because they're a specialist, you are going to expect that in about three months, they're, they're working on their own and turning things into you on the deadlines that you two have agreed upon. Versus a part-time employee, when you know that you need that, that person for a specific set of time every week or on a daily basis, then you really may be looking at a part-time employee or full-time employee situation for your business in order to grow. And Emily gave a great a tip to look at the IRS website. Let me say that one more time. IRS website for information about taxes as far as when you're hiring people. So just wanted to give that plug there too. Second big takeaway was the job posting. The story about Emily saying that she wanted somebody that was responsible and sparkly and and all of these things made me laugh hysterically the first time I heard it. But there's truth to that. We all sit down and write things that are very vague and then we're shocked when we get back some of the responses that we get back. However, if we look at it in a discerning light, we go, oh yeah, I asked somebody to be sparkly. So the job hosting is just as important as the hiring. If, if I could, that's something that I took away from the discussion that I had with Emily is starting the hiring process with a solid job posting is the best thing that we can do. And don't forget that in the show notes, I will have a link to where you can go and figure out, or I'm sorry, you can go and use some of Emily's questions to help you create a solid job posting. And I like what Emily said, we don't have to use a fancy job application or job posting site. Upwork is a great example, but we don't have to do that. She said it's perfectly fine to start on Facebook, but it still means that we have to be clear as a business owner what we expect that person to do for our business. And the more clear we are, the better applicants we're, we're likely to get. Okay, 
The third takeaway is the expectations that we as a business owner should have when we hire somebody new. Emily said, be ready to be flexible and in a constant feedback loop for about one to three months. That made me feel so much better because the thing is, is when we make a hire, we assume that our business is going to change overnight. And it could in some situations. But in most situations, it really is going to take one to three months before you really feel like that that new hire can be left to his or her own devices to figure out what they're supposed to be doing because there is an onboarding process time. In fact, I've built that into my copywriting services because if you're truly hiring a copywriter, I or any copywriter has to be familiar with your business. There really is time that I have to spend learning about your business, your business, the products and services that you offer, and then the tools and systems that you use so that I can kind of fit in with your business. And so as business owners ourselves, when we're hiring a freelancer or a part-time employee or a full-time employee, we have to be cognizant of the time that it takes to get acclimated to our business. And if we can come in with open eyes and have realistic expectations, we as the owners are going to be much happier with the process. And I liked how she was very earnest about the fact we have to be willing to give feedback, which is hard, but it's the but it's the kindest thing that you can do. And we have to be willing to receive feedback. And Emily suggested that we actually ask for feedback. And for, for somebody like me, who it's hard to hear criticism sometimes, or even suggestions, maybe it's not criticism, but it's suggestions, being the one to ask for that feedback does give us a little bit more power in that process. So if you're somebody like me who is terrified of hearing those suggestions or criticism, perhaps be the one to ask first. And especially if you're a business owner, because if you want that hire, if you know that that person is really good for your business and you want them to stick around, we have to be willing to hear how we can make that experience even better. I learned a lot. It was very timely for me, as I've already said. I hope you learned a lot as well. And perhaps maybe it gave you the courage to start thinking about your first hire, or maybe it's about to be your third hire. Either way, I wish you luck and I can't wait to meet you again in the next podcast episode. Have a wonderful week. Bye.